could shine between the lines if you would let yourself go find some place you know you can use your words use your hands you can change the world you just pretend express yourself take a chance and you'll see who you'll be it's time to express yourself where teens talk and the world listens Presented by Star Style Productions as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. You'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters. Meet and chat with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know. It's time to kick off the fun with our star teens. Welcome to Express Yourself. And so this thing we call art exists in order to restore the sensation of life, in order to make us feel things. And this is from Viktor Shlovsky. Hello and welcome to Express Yourself. We're a program by, for, and with creative young people, a platform to give teens a voice, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. From Cynthia Bryan, creator and producer of Express Yourself and Star Style Productions, we bring this program to the airwaves as an outreach service of the Be The Star You Are charity, a top nonprofit honored by GuideStar and great nonprofits. Before we get into today's show, Be The Star You Are's awesome volunteers and I want to urge you to check out our website at btsya.org. Make sure to go to the events tab to find exciting events that we have coming up. And also be sure to visit us at expressyourselfteenradio.com to check out past editions of our show. I'm Brigitte Gia, and today's Express Yourself is all about the gift of art. And I'm Kenneth Chun. Starting off this week, Brigitte and I will be reading a chapter from Be The Star You Are's new anthology entitled Be The Star You Are, Millennials to Boomers, Celebrating Gifts of Positive Voices in a Changing Digital World. This is actually Bridget's own contribution to a wonderful book filled with stories of uplifting optimism about all the values and virtues we hold dear amidst the new technological revolution. Here is The Gift of Art. The Gift of Art uh, by Bridget Gia. Uh, they say that anyone can be an artist. Art is a form of human speech, and a human who puts his or her mind to it will be able to speak through it, no matter the skill level. The ability to create art and to see it is a gift that has been bestowed upon us, upon each of us. Sometimes you lose yourself in the barrage of schoolwork, social drama, and pressure to do well in modern society. Whenever I find myself sinking into the pit of confusion that is high school, I remember that I can piece myself together and reach out to those around me with art. So I moved around a lot when I was in grade school. Being an immigrant, mom readed her bachelor's at Simon Fraser University, and dad earned a master's degree in computer science, an hour away at the University of British Columbia. As a family, we shifted back and forth between apartments near either one of the two campuses, and I was never quite able to settle into any one place. It was difficult for me to keep friends because I switched schools so many times. I was the new kid many, many times often because I usually arrived at a new school in the middle of the school year, I didn't know how to connect with these unfamiliar people. These kids had already made friends with each other, and I was the outcast. I'd end up sitting in the corner with a piece of paper and a pencil sharpened on both ends with bite marks around the middle, bangs clustered in front of my eyes. I wasn't extraordinarily shy or put off by people, I just didn't know how to reach out and communicate with my new classmates. So I drew pictures alone with my little double-sided pencil with a chewed-up center every day. Art was my escape from the acute discomfort of solitude. With my double-sided pencil and a sheet of paper, I could go anywhere I wanted and I could be whomever I pleased. At one school, I was a princess with a dress made from peacock feathers. And at another, I was a tough, no-nonsense, karate-fighting archaeologist, I dreamed of a career in archaeology, who traveled to Mongolia on the daily transport. I could live vicariously through the characters I drew, and I could transfer my emotions onto paper. On lonely days, the characters I illustrated were sisters who cherished each other's company or a trio of friends on a grand adventure. I channeled my feelings through my art, and I threw myself into creating masterpieces. Kids at the different schools I attended began to notice that I was drawing in in my corner of solitude, and they began to grow curious about just what I was scratching onto my sheets of paper. One day, as I was sketching out a pair of heeled combat boots for a new and improved take on the karate-fighting archaeologist, I felt a tap on my shoulder. That looks cool, said the little blonde girl standing behind me in my isolated corner of the room. You're really good, she exclaimed. Thanks, I replied. It never really occurred to me that I might be good or bad at art. I simply drew characters because it was a way for me to express my feelings, not because I was cultivating my talent, but I knew a compliment when I had heard one. 
I could never draw like that, the girl went on, pointing to the pencil marks that I'd managed to form into pictures on the page. She laughed a little, presumably at her own abilities. Why not? Surely, I thought, she knew how to hold a pencil and put it to paper. Because I can't draw, she said. Taken aback, I put down my double-sided utensil. Making art wasn't an ability. It was a natural right and an instinct. If she was not able to release her emotions through art, then I'd have to help her out. I'll teach you to draw, I told the blonde girl. I handed her a piece of paper, and she took it and smiled, and she joined me in my corner of solitude. We exchanged names. We told each other what our favorite colors were. I introduced her to Karate Fighting Archaeologist 2.0, and she drew her very own character. Sure, it wasn't a Picasso, and she struggled a bit with it, but afterwards, she was no longer convinced that she couldn't draw. She began to develop her own unique storyline through her art, and by the end of the day, I had made my first friend. From then on, I began to understand that although I often began my term at a, high, at a school halfway through the year, I could use art to communicate with my classmates and get to know them. My art represented who I was, and presenting karate fighting archaeologists <laughs> to a classmate was essentially a way of introducing myself. I realized that I could make friends through sharing my drawings with others. I realized that art wasn't a separate world. It was a language, a bridge over the invisible barrier that stood between me, the newcomer, and kids who had already established social circles at a school that they'd been attending for years. Whenever I met a situation in which I needed to connect with others, I used art as a tool for communication and connection. Furthermore, I place more and more faith into the belief that anyone could create art. Whenever someone told me that they would never be able to produce art due to their lack of natural talent, I refused to let them follow through that thought pattern. Making art was, is, and will always be a right rather than a selective ability. It is a second language to all, and everyone has the capability to express themselves through art. Nowadays, as I wait anxiously for the SAT score report that will determine whether my path in life is rocky or smooth, as technology pulls me away from work and my sense of identity, I bring myself back to a calm state of mind by drawing the things that I believe make my personality. Remember, when written language fails you and your emotions seem to escape from the lines on college-ruled paper, that you have the instinctual ability to speak the second language that is art and communicate with others through it. Making art isn't about talent. It's about putting your thoughts down on paper, or tablet, or clay, or whatever medium works in tandem with your wavelength. Everyone has thoughts, everyone has an imagination, and art is simply a way to make these intangible things concrete so that you can share them with those around you and beyond you. Never tell yourself that the ability to create art is something you will never have. The phrases good art and artistic talent are nothing but appreciative terms that an individual may use to express his or her specific connection with an artist or a work of art. They are not measures to which your own art is held. As long as your emotions are in it, your art is good art. All right. And to exercise that principle, we've got uh, a little blurb about art identity as a sort of, you know, workout and practice that you can do to exercise this concept. All right, here we go. It is a good idea to tune your art and your emotions to the same wavelength by practicing this second language daily. Find a spare manila folder, some loose sheets of blank paper, a pencil, and some spare time during each day to sit down with this little collection of supplies. Sketch something that you think makes up a portion of your identity. It can be something small, like a scented candle that you enjoy lighting at night, or something large, like your pet, or a representation of your career. Keep all your drawings in the manila folder and tuck them somewhere safe. Maintain this impromptu sketchbook and, when your sketches have accumulated over time, take them out of the folder. Spread them out across the floor or your desk to see your identity through art. Realize that art is a language and let art speak for you. From Edward Edgar Dega, we have a quote. Art is not what you see, but what you make others see. All right. So there was my chapter. <laughs> I, I really felt a lot of things when I was going through and writing it. Uh, I definitely recalled some of my school days and that inability to connect with others. And I think the message holds true for me personally. Um, I definitely believe that art has really connected me with others. 
And even though I'm past that SAT stage, I have been connecting with others through art uh, in college. I'm part of an art club. I've definitely used art as a mode of communication in order to really uh, open myself up to others and have others open themselves to me. Uh, so, Kaz, uh, what did you think about the chapter? <laughs> yeah, it was great. Yeah, that's definitely something I can um, certainly relate to. Um, not Maybe not specifically drawing, but uh, things like music and movies are really the things that brought me and my friends closer together. You know, we're not really... Uh, we'd make, like, random videos and just, like, screw around on guitars and stuff, and we're not good <laughs> at any of that. But, you know, like you said, it's not bad art if you put your emotion into it and yeah I, I really think that's been a huge part of my life and how I've really connected with other people and um, bringing friends closer to me absolutely I actually have a funny story about that uh, my roommate in college is a music major so she's in the college of music she plays the piano and she really understands a lot about theory and she understands you know the different pieces the different times and she's taking all of these classes that are related to music. For me, I'm not a music major, and uh, I can't exactly relate to what, what's going on in her specific classes. Uh, but I played the violin, and I also tried to take up the ukulele this semester. <laughs> so the two of us uh, have kind of bridged the gap <laughs> between our respective fields, you know, what we're studying in the classroom in order to really open up and get to know one another. So I definitely think that the point you made about music being one form of art that connects us is really powerful and really important. And I'm glad that, you know, art is a form of connecting you and your friends. Uh, so yeah. Kenneth, uh, I wanted to ask uh, for guitar, do you, what emotions do you channel when you're playing? Like, do you, are you regular on the guitar? Do you uh, tend to find that your emotions are better expressed when you play? Uh, kind of. Yeah, like I said, we're not really, you know, technically skilled all that much, but a lot of me and my friends have, like, favorite bands and stuff. Um, a lot of it is, like, punk, alt-rock kind of thing. Yes. And so we just, yeah, we just complain about our lives as, you know, the typical teenagers are, we are <laughs> and listen to that kind of music. Yeah. What? Yeah, what are some of your favorite bands? What? Oh, uh, yeah, I love, you know, I guess this is kind of a... Uh, vanilla answer, but Nirvana is a big one. Oh, absolutely. Like Weezer, yeah. All They're forms great. of art. <laughs> art that's expressive and definitely very powerful. Yeah, and art is such, it's such an easy thing to connect over because, like, who would say they don't like art? Right? It's, yeah, it's such an easy thing to connect over. Everybody has, uh, probably has some kind of connection with it in their uh, daily lives already. So just being able to associate that with other people. It's such a simple way to really, you know, emotionally connect with another person. Mm -hmm. I absolutely agree. I think that's, that's what art is. <laughs> so, you know, um, with that, I think we'll conclude this first segment of Express Yourself on a wonderful note and in agreement about the message of art. Um, I'm definitely glad that we could read my chapter today, and I'm glad that both of us were able to find some common themes within the gift of art. So, audience, be sure to support our show and these amazing segments by donating to the Be The Star You Are 501c3 literacy charity that brings you this program. Be The Star You Are desperately needs your donations to help us help those in distress by providing books and other resources. Operation Wildfire Disaster Relief Fund is an ongoing outreach program to help survivors of natural disasters. We need donations to help ship much appreciated books to victims of these disasters, so please donate today at bethestarur.org. You can even donate through PayPal Giving Fund with no additional fees, and you can help people out amidst these disasters. I'm Brigitte Gia. And I'm Kenneth John. Watch Be The Star You Are's fun and informative videos at youtube.com slash be the star you are. Be sure to also pick up our new anthology, Be The Star You Are, Millennials to Boomers, Celebrating Gifts to Positive Voices in a Changing Digital World, which is where this chapter was from, at cynthiabryan.com slash online dash store. Make sure to stick around as we continue our show on the gift of art. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com 
Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. Show the world your smile. Be the star you are. If you are ready to be inspired, energized, and edutained, you've come to the right place with our two life-changing programs at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's our lifestyle show, Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. On Tuesdays at noon Pacific, teens talk and the world listens on Express Yourself Teen Radio on Voice America Kids. Come play with us at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back. Thanks for staying with us here at Voice America Empowerment. I'm Kenneth John on Express Yourself, and today's show is all about the gift of art. And I'm Brigitte Gia. Uh, So on this particular segment for the gift of art, uh, since I've been actually gone from the radio for a while, unfortunately, uh, I thought I'd talk about my experiences, share them with you, Kenneth, and with the audience. And we can go on from there and have a great discussion about what art exactly means at different stages in life. Uh, So when I was on the radio in high school, I definitely saw the world from a little bit of a different perspective than I do now. I think a lot of stressors pop up in high school that you're not expecting and uh, that you have to work around. And I think that affected my engagement with a lot of the forms of art that I generally like to engage in. And so just a little bit of background on myself as an artist. I like to draw, I like to sketch, and I play the violin, and I've been dabbling in the ukulele now nowadays. I've just started. Uh, so I have a little bit of a background in art, and I definitely like to use art as a form of expression, as a form of stress relief, and as just a pastime that I can engage in without having to worry so much about what's going on around me in the world. So in high school, there's a lot of doing things for your resume and doing things because you need to get somewhere or you need to push yourself to the level that a lot of other people are because you're in a competitive high school. You're in some sort of competitive atmosphere where you have to make sure that you are the best at something, that you get this advantage or that advantage, that you can succeed in life because that's what people tell you is that you have to succeed now so you can get into a good college and you can do everything you ever dreamed of because that's the only way you're going to do so. And so for me, art became a bit of a stressor by the end of high school because all of these things that I was creating, I was creating with with not a singular goal, like I was still enjoying art, but with more of a competitive angle that I didn't like. So I was creating things to put on my portfolio that it just wasn't something that I really wanted to do. And so I think as I've entered college and kind of relaxed that specific aspect of my life, the competition with others over where I'm going to go to college, I think my ability to you know, regain that outlet that is art for me has been, you know, much improved. I think I've been able to really take a step back and 
you know, create art because I want to or because I want to say something about myself and and not because I need it to show a college or, you know, someone important what I'm capable of. So I think that's one of the big differences <laughs> between high school art and college art for me. And I think because of that, I've kind of expanded on a lot of the the different forms of art that I've been able to do. So my roommate, uh, one of my roommates, I'm in a triple room this year. What a good time. <laughs> one of my roommates uh, really likes clay and really likes creating clay figurines. And I'd never done that before I got to college, or at least I hadn't done a lot of it. I hadn't really worked out my skills in that area. So I gave it a try because, you know, I didn't need to focus on one specific form of art to be good at that one form of art in order to get into college. And I found that I really liked clay and that I really liked molding things with my hands, really liked that tangible aspect of that art form. And I think that really opened a lot of avenues for me. And I was able to expand my idea of art and the way in which I used art to express myself. So I know, Kenneth, you're still in high school, uh, and you're, you're, you're grinding so far, I'm sure. Um, how do you feel about it? Do you think that this competitive element has changed your view on art, or do you think that, hopefully, art is still an outlet with which you can express your emotions? Um, it kind of did at one point. I don't think uh, it really does anymore, but yeah, <clears throat> when I was a little younger, and I would... Um, you know, shoot movies and stuff and, like, work and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I thought that was where I was going to go for the rest of my life. And I, people around me, as well as myself, started putting a lot more um, heavier stakes on that kind of work. And, mm-hmm. yeah, that put a lot more pressure on me. And it some, became something that I didn't necessarily enjoy as much as I used to because it became kind of like a job or a task. Um, but now, I'm not really sure... I definitely going to go that direction it's still an option but I'm not entirely sure I just don't really know um Mm -hmm. that and the kind of just perspective change uh I've had where I don't really let that kind of thing bother me anymore I think uh this year especially um the competitive environment at my school is something that I've uh largely put in the back of my mind I don't really like to think about it a lot and I don't really like to let it bother me and how I view other people and myself. Um, yeah, it's something that bothered me when I was, um, you know, in the beginning of high school, but I think I've kind of moved past it at this point. But I know it's a very common thing, you know, even in professional musicians, a lot of people mm-hmm. talk about how, I mean, there's some people who complain that, oh, musicians and professional artists have it easy. They just get to do whatever they want. But yeah, once you enter that professional field where, there are very heavy stakes attached to your work. It inevitably becomes something that becomes a lot harder and more stressful. And it's it's a lot easier to um, lose enjoyment in that kind of work that you originally um, love to do so much. Um, yeah, and you talked about how uh, that change happened within you um, when you moved from high school to college. Have you ever noticed other people's perspectives of art um, changing around you, like how maybe the people around you or the environment has um, really viewed your art or art in general? Mm-hmm. I, that's a really good question. I think, I think like you said, definitely, like being in that competitive atmosphere is just <laughs> really, it just weighs down on your enjoyment of the art. But I think a lot of people around me in high school um, would view art as as like a a natural talent that only that was only bestowed upon the few so if you were sketching in your notebook and someone saw they would immediately go oh my goodness you're so good at art I could never do that or something like that Uh, I had this you know for me it only happened a couple of times because I'm not (laughs) you know practice humility I'm, I'm not really uh that spectacular or anything like that but I definitely I had a friend who enjoyed painting a lot and she she was wonderful she's she's a great artist and you know she would she would win a lot of awards and she'd 
she'd just paint these magnificent oil paintings. And people would just point at her and be like, well, there's the artist. There's the artist. She's defined by her artistry. And she's really a one-dimensional character at this point. She's the artist. And so that was really hard for her, uh, is what I recall, is that it was hard for her to reconcile one image of herself with how people saw her (laughs) as this flat character. But I think in college, for me personally, I've definitely interacted with a lot of different people. And I think because there's a specific art department in obviously a lot of universities where there are students who are going into this field, it makes art as a sort of extra party trick that you can whip out um, less less of that sort of thing. You know, art becomes less of some talent that defines you as this one person and more as of something that certain people who are majoring in art or going into art have chosen for themselves, have chosen to dedicate themselves to. So I think it's like the difference between being discovered and discovering yourself, as cheesy as that might sound, uh, that I've really witnessed since I've moved from, you know, one institution to the other. I, I don't know. What do, what do you think, Kenneth? Do you think, how do you think people view art in your high school, for example? Like, do they, do they perceive people who do art as a certain type of person? Like, are they the artsy people? Or is it more multidimensional? Oh, yeah, that's something I can really, I think, observe. Um, yeah, like I mentioned earlier uh, in the show, I live in um, the Bay Area, so a lot of people are more inclined to go in the STEM direction, and they don't really focus on, uh, you know, stuff like literature and art and all those things. And the people who do are usually viewed as like, oh, the humanities people, they're the art people. And yeah, that's <laughs> that's kind of a, a prevailing mindset here. It might be a little, um, it might be kind of like a joke, essentially, but yeah, it is kind of a mindset that you can notice a lot of uh, people have when you come to this area. Um, I don't know if it's really changed in the past, though. It still kind of seems like a thing that's um, still pretty prominent. Um, There hasn't really been too much of a change, especially now that, um, you know, this technological revolution is gaining more steam and more and more people are going into STEM. Um, The basic... Like the default here mm-hmm. is um, just going into that kind of career field, and the people who would rather um, do music or drawing or uh, literature, writing, anything, that, anything like that, is viewed as like, yeah, they're those other people who aren't going to do STEM. <laughs> right. Uh, I definitely, I definitely feel I can relate to that a lot. Uh, I'm actually also, funnily enough, from the Bay Area myself, <laughs> so I can definitely. You know, there's a lot of people who are going into computer science is the is the real big one, I think, is that yeah. everybody's going into computer science. And I've actually moved out to Tennessee for college. Um, and over here, the big focus is pre-med, is medical school <laughs> or e- econ. A lot of people major in economics. And so you'll see a lot of double majors, people who, you know, need or believe that they really need that job security, but also want to, you know, further encourage their own learning about humanities and that aspect. So I, I definitely agree with you there, is that there's, it, your, your interests start to define you as a person. And so it's actually been interesting uh, for me to witness a lot of professors who actually do both. They have an interest in both. So I took a neuroscience class this last last semester, my fall semester, and my neuroscience professor, she's really involved in STEM. She's always loved neuroscience. She was very passionate during the duration of the course, but she was also a concert pianist for all of her life. And so in her home, we, we gathered there for a sort of neuroscience brunch uh, during one weekend and in her home she has a huge grand piano it's magnificent and it has a history too it's really powerful and 
she can go in and, you know, play it as she wishes, take a break from her STEM courses and teaching STEM and being involved in research and play the piano and just relax in the humanities world. So while I, I'm still, you know, struggling with watching people decide that they're either computer science people or pre-med people or econ people uh, versus, you know, literature students or students of the humanities, I do see a bit of hope there. <laughs> and, I'm, I, and, you know, I hope it'll spread. I hope that professors will engage in interests of both schools and that that'll rub off on their students. I don't know. Have you seen any any of your teachers? Do you see anyone who's or any role models of yours that you you see diversifying their fields? Yeah, um, you know, there are a lot of teachers, like you said, exactly that have that kind of um, same skill set where they'll be really good at uh, they're like math teachers or science teachers, but then they suddenly just have the secret talent of like playing this musical instrument amazingly. Um, yeah, and I think that's something that's kind of common in a lot of um, people like that who are like older and more mature. Um, yeah, and definitely one is not necessarily better than the other when you're comparing STEM and art, but it's good to have a balance of both. And yeah, um, something else I've also noticed, I think. It's something else I um, actually really like mm -hmm. is the whole perspective on, I don't know if modern art conveys it entirely, but there's been this like uh, really worldwide change, I think, in how mm -hmm. people perceive a lot of art, where it's not necessarily based on a technical skill anymore. It's just based on uh, original expression and things like that, um, trying to make yourself uh, make yourself stand out and say something really special and unique. And that's, I think, pretty evident in like the rise of all those weird uh, industrial hip hop group collectives. Um, <laughs> it just like all those kinds of weird modern art sculptures, things like that. And people can actually see um, the effort and emotion behind those kinds of things instead of just looking at oh, is this line straight, and oh, does this face look realistic? Right. I think as history has gone on, as art history has continued, uh, there's been a slow shift towards that sort of, you know, self-expression versus the, the format, the rigid format of how and what is art. Well, you know, I've, I've loved speaking about art today, and I think that we've really come to a good consensus on what art means throughout our lives and how art has evolved. I, unfortunately, I think we are out of time for this segment. Um, so audience, be sure to check out bethestarur.org, visit our website, go to that events tab, and make sure you check out all the events that Be The Star You Are is gonna be featured at. Stay tuned for more of The Gift of Art in the next segment. Keep listening. I'm Brigitte Gia. And I'm Kenneth Chun. Pick up Be The Star You Are's new anthology, Be The Star You Are, Millennials to Boomers, at cynthiabryan.com slash online dash store, Amazon or other book retailers. Find more information about our show at www.expressyourselfteenradio.com. Make sure to follow Be The Star You Are and express yourself at www.bethestaryouare.org to support our show and find out more information about our literacy and positive media charity that has been named the top-rated nonprofit for several years now. Stay tuned, we'll be right back with more Express Yourself. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. 
Looking for a show about your favorite movies, stars, and DVD releases? Get ready for Kids First Coming Attractions on Voice America Kids Channel. Your hosts, the Kids First film critics, preview all the latest movies before they're released, interview stars on the red carpet, and share their reviews with you so you can make informed decisions about what you select to see. Our reporters, ages 7 to 16, will bring you a kid's perspective on these films. Kids First Coming Attractions is heard every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Kids. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back to our show. My name is Kenneth Jun, and you're listening to Express Yourself Teen Radio here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. And I'm Brigitte Gia. Closing out the show today on The Gift of Art is Kenneth with his segment 2020. Take it away, Kenneth. Thanks, Bridget. Uh, so for 2020 today, I want to just talk about what I like about my favorite films and how that relates to how we see art in general. So a bit of uh, background context, I guess. I've always seen art as a way of tapping into the core of human existence. Um, I guess that's kind of weird and hipstery, and it's a view that's gotten me a lot of weird looks living here in the Bay Area, the tech capital of the world, but it's something that I've always believed. Um, In my mind, art is a way to kind of examine human emotions and thoughts without being bound by physical or maybe even conceptual or ideological restrictions. And that kind of thinking is what's always driven my artistic tastes. I like projects that seem to indulge themselves to the extreme in whatever medium they choose. It's why I like, you know, cutesy, over-the-top bubblegum pop. At the same time, I like uh, vulgar, loud, industrial rock. Uh, Books with personality-driven, unreliable, crazy narrators. And books with cold, detached, uh, completely objective narrators. And, of course, the reason why I like the movies I do. My favorite films are ones where logic and coherency act more like loose guidelines than strict rules. Uh, one of those films is the Edgar Wright-directed Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. So that movie is pretty nonsensical. Uh, characters act and speak with a little too much quirk, people and objects constantly break the fourth wall, and everyone reacts to the world around them in wildly inappropriate ways. Characters will literally die and explode into video game coins just for other characters return to, to return back to their conversations after a casual glance. Even, a take, even taking a step back, the film as a whole is pretty childish. The moral of the story is barely made clear in the end, while throwaway jokes are tossed left and right and comic book-style text bubbles accompany cheesy one-liners. But it's this exact kind of childishness uh, that w- that makes uh, the movie something I love, and it represents in a broader context what attracts my attention in general. At its core, the movie is about growing up and correcting immature behavior, and the film makes this message so much more memorable and fun to discover by encompassing the spirit of the main character, who is an immature child, uh, utilizing every aspect of its existence to irradiate that immaturity. Uh, The film throws logic out the window to make way for beautifully choreographed scene transitions and shots that would never physically be possible in the real world. Uh, Each background detail, whether it be a special sound effect or a visual symbol of foreshadowing, contains an unimaginable amount of care, again, adding to the personality and character of the movie. And that's not to say that I'm super experienced in avant-garde art house films or anything, I'm really not. Scott Pilgrim and a lot of the movies I love are usually pretty accessible. And there are a lot of way weirder, more atmospheric, psychedelic movies by people like Jodorowsky and Lynch that I would barely know where to start with. But the thing about art is uh, these projects essentially transcend their stories and become experiences in and of themselves. They're simply not following any kind of pre-described rules and do what they want for the sake of doing it. In my opinion, they're, usually, they're using their full artistic potential to convey pure emotion. And that's something I think every piece of art should strive to do. Absolutely, Kenneth. I think that's brilliant. That's a really good take on what art is, especially in kind of popular media. Uh, as you've talked about, movies are, are you know, media 
forms that a lot of people flock to see these days. And so I think examining the artistic aspects of films is definitely something that people should really focus on because that is a great outlet of art and emotional art. And so I definitely see what you're saying with these sort of, you know, out of context, um, you know, emotional expressions through film. And I was wondering what you thought about kind of, uh, I know a lot of Marvel movies that have come out recently have been using these sort of, you know, comic book moments or, or fourth wall breaking <laughs> moves to really break through to their audience, so to speak. So what do you think of movies like, you know, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and Thor Ragnarok, for example? Yeah, I think those are actually kind of great because I think they've... Um evolved over time to become the things that I like more. Um, yeah, you talked about the new Spider-Man animated movie and Thor Ragnarok. And those are just like completely weird, um, <laughs> just weird, like s- Thor Ragnarok is a weird space adventure with um, <laughs> all the actors are just like hamming it up. Right. Uh, Spider-Man is like a literal comic book come to life. <laughs> and yeah, I think they're embracing that kind of expression much more than maybe the earlier superhero movies did. Um, the earlier ones are a lot more, uh, I don't want to say they're boring, but um, they're a lot more standard, <laughs> I guess you would say. It's just kind yeah. of the origin story, and then they fight a bad guy at the end. Um, and there's not really anything too special about uh, the visuals behind it or anything like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, right. I really like there's... the direction they've gone. Yeah, I'm so excited about it. I think definitely previously they've been following, you know, a sort of formula. This is what comes after this, and this is how we're going to wrap up the movie, and that's how we're going to earn, you know, a blockbuster title or something like that. But I think they've definitely, with kind of the entry of newer directors that have taken the films in different directions, I think we've seen a lot of cool, maybe more artistic, maybe not more artistic, but... Uh, artistic in a different way. (laughs) Um, And so I wanted to ask, Kenneth, uh, what you thought of the actor's contribution versus the director's contribution or the screenwriter's contribution? Because I know the, the recent Game of Thrones episodes have been coming out, and a lot of those have kind of behind the scenes where they talk about the director's part versus the actor's part in making everything come emotionally alive. So what do you think? Yeah, I think actors contribute a lot to um, the tone of a moment, maybe. Uh, Obviously, the director is kind of the leader, so ultimately (laughs) that person is who is in charge at the end of the day. But Mm -hmm. actors, with their personalities and their um, personal touches, can do a lot to create that kind of expressive, uh, no-holds-barred kind of moment (laughs) where they'll just go full-on for it, either... It could be a very serious um, kind of acting moment where they just completely dive into that, uh, the seriousness of that moment. Or it could just be, like I said, in Thor Ragnarok, actors are just like having a fun time and you can tell they're just, <laughs> just throwing out these one-liners all day and with like all this cheese. But it's great. That's what right. makes it great. Yeah. Right. And No, exactly. Uh, yeah. Go on. I absolutely agree with you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that kind of... The personal touches that actors bring is something that really adds to uh, the personality of that scene and consequently the entire movie. Yeah, I think so. I think that pretty much sums it up. I think it's something with their eyes, you know, like a lot of the actors and actresses can can turn a moment, an emotional moment into something deeper when they kind of convey it with their facial expressions and just, just how they look. And I... It's brilliant. I don't know how they do it. (laughs) I'm thinking about, you know, like certain moments in TV shows. Game of Thrones comes to mind, of course, because it's it's just coming out now. And a lot of these characters will have sorrow, you know, in their eyes. And you can tell that, you know, they're really feeling it. And that, I think, is absolutely a form of art. (laughs) Yeah, facial expressions, facial expressions are so insanely complex that it's amazing that people are actually able to control them in such a, in such a precise way where it conveys such a precise emotion. Exactly. Uh, you know, to, to kind of go off on a tangent here, I actually wanted to ask about uh, you as maybe an audience member. Uh, so do you think, I'm thinking about when I go into maybe an episode or a movie expecting to feel a certain way, and then I get thrown off by how the movie goes, and I come out 
experiencing a completely different emotion. So, Kenneth, what do you think about that? Do you think, you know, it's better to be thrown off by by a certain emotion that you didn't expect to be expressed in the movie? Or do you think it's better to have the emotion that you were expecting to feel heightened by the film itself? Um, I guess it depends kind of on the intent. I mean, if you walk into a horror movie and you want to be scared <laughs> and you walk out just laughing at everything and everything <laughs> seems like such a joke, it's probably not the greatest thing. And, right. Yeah. Uh, the people behind the movie probably didn't want you to do that. But then, you know, of course, there are those uh, movies that present themselves in a certain way um, before a lot of people get to see them. And then they completely throw most audience off, um, off the rails. And I think those are great. You know, it's like it's creating such a strong emotion um, with that artistic expression. It's not just uh, here, let me show you something I've made. It's really like here, let me make you feel something, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's that's kind of putting it weirdly into words, but yeah, uh, I think it's a pretty awesome thing when you come out really surprised and you're feeling something completely different. Um, if you want to, you know, if you go into a movie expecting to feel a certain emotion and that gets heightened, that's always a good thing. But I think um, it's usually better when there maybe is an added element on top of that that really enhances the entire experience, something that you weren't necessarily expecting. Definitely. I think so. I'm, I'm thinking of certain, you know, I've watched a few comedies where a scene suddenly hits and I'm crying and I don't expect to yes. be crying. You know, I'm like, wait a second. This isn't this isn't what I came for, but I'm definitely appreciating it. And so I know that the digital world has brought a lot of different elements to movies and films you know there's there's more cgi there's more that directors and and writers can do with the scenes because there's the advent of technology and and different ways to manipulate the screen for the audience so do you think that adds to the element of emotional power or do you think that maybe something like a black and white film or like casablanca from the old ages is more powerful um, I think it can work both ways. Uh, something I really, I guess like old effects have a certain charm, charm to them that uh, really appeals um, to a really specific emotion. I think of the original Star Wars trilogy, you know, uh, yes. the puppets aren't exactly like super realistic, <laughs> but they just have enough of that like tangibility that makes them feel real in that world. And it has this like nice charm where it's like grown-ups making a giant elaborate puppet show about like space wizards and stuff yeah and that's, yeah that's something that's really nice about those movies mm-hmm. yeah i think so i think you're right i think uh for me personally i i could definitely go both ways as well i think i lean towards more vintage sort of depictions just because i I have a personal taste for vintage but i definitely appreciate uh again back to back to Thor Ragnarok and the like, where they have these giant displays of just CGI splendor that are magnificent on the eyes, I think. <laughs> and so I, I think that a lot of films nowadays uh, take certain elements and they really blow them up. Uh, so some, some films really focus on a certain theme and some films shift you know, towards a different one. Like, for example, Jordan Peele has been focusing a lot on horror, and a lot of his movies are centered around a certain theme. So, Kenneth, do you think that movies should diversify more if they're, if they're you know, trying to appeal to a larger audience? Do you think that they should focus on a certain theme, or do you think that maybe comedy should always have, or a lot of the times have elements of sorrow or, or depth or, for example, like, do you think there should be multiple aspects to a movie more, or should a movie focus on doing something with one single emotion really well? Um, I think tackling a lot of emotions, maybe this is just my personal taste, it might be, but I think those kinds of stories and films that tackle multiple emotions um, make for really, uh, really engaging stories with a lot of depth. 
Um, you talked about, you know, how comedy sometimes can just suddenly hit you with this really <laughs> tear-jerking scene. Yeah, and that's something I love in comedies. Yeah, I talked about um, Edgar Wright, the director of the movie I talked about, Scott Pilgrim. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he's he's someone who I think does that really well. He Some of his other movies, um, they're just specific moments that come in uh, these wacky, like, comedy zombie films and, like, alien films <laughs> that are just suddenly about, like, familial cl- familial connections that really hit home with, um, you know, the human aspect of it. Mm-hmm. So I think blending genres is usually, it's a lot harder, but it's it usually pays off more in the end. Um, yeah, I think better than just sticking to one thing. I mean, that's always viable if you really want to do that, but I think <laughs> trying to integrate more elements uh, usually creates a more exciting experience. Absolutely. I think one one film that comes to mind is the film Zombieland. I don't know if you've seen it. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's that. <laughs> it's just the a zombie film with just the most ridiculous humor, and it's all you know. It's all narrated from certain points of view, and it it really just it's it's a unique film, you know. And I think that brings some artistry to it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely something that. Um, yeah, one of those movies that I think uh, are really unique with just how different uh, parts of common tropes are brought together um, to create something new. Yeah, it's just taking different things and uh, churning out a new product. Absolutely, I think so. And I think that's what a lot of art is all about. And I'm glad that the movie industry has took a turn for the better and is starting to really throw some great elements in there that we can all appreciate and enjoy. So that was a wonderful segment, Kenneth. Thank you so much for sharing your perspective on movies and film and the artistry within them. Unfortunately, we are out of time for the week, but what a great time it's been. As always, we give our thanks to Star Style Productions, Cynthia O'Brien, Be The Star You Are, and our Voice America Empowerment crew, especially our voice engineer, Josh. Thanks to our guests and reporters from across the world, and thank you to you, our listeners, for making us a top-rated program. I'm Brigitte Gia. And I'm Kenneth Chan. You have been listening to Express Yourself, an on-air global community where teens talk and the world listens. For info on our creative community, charity efforts, and outreach programs, go to our main site at www.bethestarur.org. Until next week, remember, be kind, find your inner artist, and be here. Speak up, speak out, and express yourself. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself, produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars that shine between the lines if you would let yourself.